0: If you have your Bible, turn with me to Revelation chapter 20, Revelation chapter 20, and we are going to read just verses 14 and 15 this week. Now, we included it with last week's uh, sermon, these verses, but we're just going to kind of center in on 14 and 15 uh, this week. Revelation chapter 20, verses 14 and 15. Let us hear God's word. Then death and Hades are cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and for the inspiration of it. May it speak to our hearts and our lives in such a way today that we will be challenged, that we will be changed, and that we will never get over it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are well into our series um, uh, called Final Countdown, um, complete with 80s music and everything. Hallelujah. But anyway, um, we're looking at... Uh, kind of the questions that surround the last days and and I, I get a lot of people even folks that are not involved in church or uh, you know don't even claim to be a Christian sometimes that will ask Tim do you do you think we're living in the final days do you think we're living in the end times and those kind of questions so I really felt like I wanted to do this series felt led to do this series that just kind of gives us some gospel message truth, uh, to go along with these times that we're living in. Now, Jesus said nobody knows the hour, nor the day, nor the hour, not even me, but my Father in heaven. And, and so I'm leaving that part to God. And uh, I always tell people with questions like that, it's above my pay grade. So anyway, um, and, but we, we did want to look at uh, this subject of eschatology uh, that's a 50-cent word that might help you with uh, trivial pursuit or with um, jeopardy at some point. But it, it simply means uh, a word or study about last things. So we're, we're doing eschatology uh, this week and next week in the last two weeks. We talked about, two weeks ago, we talked about um, the return of Jesus and how Jesus' return is a message of hope and comfort Paul even wrote, comfort one another with these words, but then also it's a a message of urgency. In other words, it's something that we shouldn't uh, be waiting for, but we should be telling others about that message and about His coming and about His good news. And then last week we talked about final judgment And that there will be a final judgment day that all people everywhere will be judged. But if we believe in Christ, if we uh, have received Him as our Lord and Savior, if we trust in Him, then when God looks at that, uh, when God looks at those things to judge, He doesn't see our sins. He sees the righteousness of Christ. In our place Just like the the plus marks and the minus marks This morning that we talked about He does not see the minus marks He sees Jesus's plus marks That he gave us instead And so we uh, are coming today This third uh, lesson Or this third sermon Is on the subject of hell Now a lot of people don't like to talk about hell A lot of preachers, some churches Don't like to talk about hell uh, No doubt that um, uh, that that we, here in America, where we're just kind of you know we're kind of spoiled, you know we won't we won't feel good stuff, we want Hallmark movies, you know, and, and everything. So so any of this stuff about hell or punishment or torment, oh, you know, we want a sweet Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? And and just he, he's just so nice and and never you know never calls anybody on anything and all, and, and stuff like that. And and what I, I think we're going to see today, that yes, Jesus is all loving, all good, all the time, but that hell is actually a part of that. That is actually a part of that. John the Revelator says it like this in uh, Revelation 20, verses 14 and 15. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found in written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, the lake of fire was John the Revelator's... Uh, revelation or expression of an eternal punishment or an eternal hell. And and, and what I want to make sure that I don't do this morning is we're talking about eternal hell. Uh, But I don't want to lighten the fact that I I know that there are folks that, that may be living in what some would consider a living hell here today, and that is true. I mean, there is some folks that are living in it, whether it's from abuse, whether it's from addiction, whether it's from um, some type of political uproar in third world countries where where uh, persecution is happening and things like that. There are folks that are living in the midst of that right now. And so I'm not trying to lighten that in any way. And we'll, we talk about that on other Sundays. We will. But but the fact of the matter is today I'm talking about eternal torment or eternal punishment That is called hell. And so so let's just just really want to kind of get to it. What do we need to know about hell? What do we need to know about hell? Number one is this. Hell is a real and an eternal place. Hell is a real and an eternal place. How can we know that it's real? Well, we believe the Bible, and the Bible says that it's real. Now, I know that there's some folks that say, well, you know, if it says it in certain places or or if certain people say it or if Jesus said it, do you know who spoke about hell in the Bible more than anybody else? It wasn't the prophets. You may think it's those prophets in the Old Testament because God supposedly was a God of wrath in the Old Testament, which I think is kind of, uh, we've given the Old Testament a bad rap on that or whatever, not, not true. And, and, and But maybe it was those prophets. No, it wasn't those prophets. Oh, I know who's talked about hell more than anybody else. It had to be that old prude, the apostle Paul, you know, because he, he didn't like anything that was fun or he didn't like anything, you know, and, and all. guess what? It was not Paul either. It, well, hey, John the Revelator, he talks about last things. Actually, he did not speak a lot about hell. He said some things. The one who speaks more or talks more about hell than anybody else in the Bible is Jesus, It's Jesus. Now, I've heard folks say, well, I really just listen to Jesus, you know, or, or I, I, I really just read the, the red letter, you know, I'm, I'm a red letter kind of guy or girl, and, and, and well, guess what? These are in red letters, and Jesus talked about hell. Matthew 10, verse 28 says it like this, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. These were the words of Jesus. Now, when Jesus refers to hell, the folks in that time would have known what Jesus was talking about. He uses uh, this idea of Gehenna which is uh, what hell is the English word for. Gehenna was a valley that was right there at Jerusalem. I remember we visited it or went by it at least. I don't think we went in it, but I don't think I would have. But anyway, but uh, that's a little too close for comfort. But anyway, we visited, kind of went by it whenever we were in Israel, some of the ones that went with us and saw that. And it was a valley in Jerusalem where some of the kings of Judah sacrificed their children to, um, by fire. And so it was seen as a cursed place. And so Jesus talks about Gehenna. And also there was this thought of this everlasting burning that went on because a lot of times they would put their trash there, dump their trash there, set it on fire. And so it would just sit there and smolder and smolder and smolder. So it talks about the flames that never go out. And, and, and so Jesus was using these words to describe an eternal place for the wicked. Now, Reverend Tim Keller said one time that some guy, after he had preached on hell, come out afterwards and said, Don't you really believe, though, that Jesus was just using this idea of hell and fire and brimstone and, and gnashing the teeth and wailing, which that's the worst part to me, I think, is that gnashing of teeth, kind of like, I don't know how to do that. But anyway, um, kind of like when you scratch on a chalkboard, y'all... Some, I know some folks don't even know what a chalkboard is. But anyway, the, um, but, but it, it's all of those things. And so he came out and asked him, Keller, he said, Don't you believe that, that Jesus was probably just using these images of fire and all as a metaphor? And Dr. Keller said, Yeah, I do. And the man was like, huh, good, good, because I tell you what, it sounded like a scary place. And then Dr. Keller said, actually, I believe Jesus was using it as a metaphor, but he used wailing and gnashing the teeth, fire that doesn't go out, all of those things as a metaphor for something that must be a lot worse. And the fact is that Jesus talked about hell as a real place and as an eternal place and and listen i mean jesus isn't afraid to kind of say you better watch out or you're going there Uh, look at what he says to the scribes and the pharisees okay this doesn't sound like sweet jesus to me all right scribes and pharisees he says in verse 33 of matthew 23 serpents brood of vipers how can you escape the condemnation of hell then John the Revelator actually calls it a lake of fire and says they'll be cast into the lake of fire. You know, it talks, uh, there's one place that talks about the lake of fire and says liars and all will be thrown there. And I used to tell my kids when they were little, it was a professor I'd heard said he would say it to his kids. But, you know, whenever they were saying something that wasn't true, I'm like, you're making reservations in the lake and all. <laughs> but uh, they, they didn't like to hear that. But anyway, but, but, but. But hell is a real place and it's eternal. And Jesus is the one that tells us that. Number two is this. Hell proves the greatness of God's love. Now, here's the thing that it's kind of hard to grasp or get our minds around. is the fact that, you know, Jesus, Talbot Davis talked about the fact that Jesus is a real popular. I mean, Jesus is popular even in other religions sometimes. They all have a good all about Jesus And, and people people that don't even go to church don't even go to uh that don't even claim to follow Jesus sometimes will say well I think we can all live we can all try to live like Jesus and that's good and we'll just love each other and all of that and yes we should he's the best example I believe for any of us to follow in how to live and how to love one another Jesus is that greatest example but in the midst of that Hell is not very popular at all. In fact, hell is, especially the place of hell, is not popular. Now, the word's pretty popular because people use it all the time. And we've kind of reduced it down to a cuss word, you know, where what the, who the, how the. I mean, people use it all the time. And, 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 and you know, and I have. My daughter Trinity one time said it. And, and I'm like, uh, wait a minute, what would you say? And she's like, I'm talking about the place. I'm like, hmm, I don't think you're talking about the place. But anyway, but, um, and I'll have to pay her for being able to tell that story. But anyway, the, um, but the fact of it is, is that it is, though, the example of just how much God really loves us. That's why we've couched this whole message about hell in the midst of songs that talk about the goodness of God. And you're saying, how do those two things work together? Here's how they work together. See, because of the reality of hell, Jesus had to go to the cross. Because, listen, if Jesus went and suffered and died the the death that he died, a shameful and painful death, if Jesus went and suffered that kind of death, just to make some type of radical political point, or if he suffered, if God sent Jesus to the world to suffer that kind of death just to show us a good example of what it means to be sacrificial, if God had to show us that or make some point in that way for Jesus to die and, and, and suffer that kind of death, then you know what? God was sort of a monster, wasn't he? What kind of father would would send their son to die for a world just so that they could make a a point or just so that he could die for his cause? No, that's not what he did. The reason that Jesus suffered and died was because he took the penalty of hell that you and I deserve, and he nailed it to a cross. That's what shows the goodness and love of God. The penalty of what we've done was placed on Jesus. And that's how he lived it out to die on a cross so that we might have life. What does John three sixteen say? I've known several posts that have said that's their life verse. It is a life verse. It should be our life verse. Listen, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his only begotten son. So that he can make a political point? No. So that he could die for his cause? No. He says so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Folks, the reality of hell is what shows us just how great God's love and goodness for us really is. People say sometimes, well, Tim, what if what if somehow we just all get to heaven? And I'm like, you know what? That'd be great. That'd be great. In some people's eyes. But it's not what his word says. I mean, if God decides to do that, that's God's prerogative and and I won't be worried about that at that point anyway. I'll be worshiping Jesus for eternity. But the thing about it is that it doesn't say it like that. It says he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it says whoever believes in him. And the reality of hell really tells us Just how good God is, and how much Jesus really loves us. And He loves you, and He loves me in that way. And number three is this we avoid hell by trusting in Jesus. We don't avoid hell by accomplishing some great task, we don't avoid hell by having a list of good intentions. In fact, there's an old gospel song out there called The Road to Hell is Paved with Good Intentions. We don't avoid hell with good intentions or with good works or by not doing certain sins or whatever, not living by the I don't drink, smoke, or chew, and I don't run with girls that do. That's not, go- that's not what's going to keep you. That's not what's going to keep us out of hell. It's simply believing in Jesus. Listen, Revelation 20, verse 15 said, Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. When we trust in Christ, our name is written in that book. I, I love the fact that, um, you know, in Matthew chapter 16 Jesus tells a story of the rich man and Lazarus. And it was a rich man that had lived up his life for himself. And then there was Lazarus that was poor. The rich man never helped him. Didn't have a heart to do so. And didn't have any acknowledgement of God. And listen, here's what happens. The rich man ends up, Jesus is telling this story now. Rich man ends up in hell. Lazarus ends up being comforted. In, uh, in Abraham's bosom. In other words, he was in the comfort of Father Abraham. He was in the comfort. And Matthew's audience would have known what that meant. He was like in heaven. and all. Uh, One time I was preaching and, on this and accidentally said he was in the comfort of Abraham's womb. And uh, <laughs> that didn't go well. But anyway, the, um, and I didn't even catch that I said it. I said it like twice before I ever called I said it. But he's there and he's comforted. And, and this is what happens. Listen to what the rich man ends up saying. He says, then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Folks, if we really believe what the Bible says about hell, then we are going to want to share that good news with somebody else. We're going to want to share the news of Jesus Christ and His love with somebody else. Listen, I'm so glad that my parents brought me up in a church and and that I was being nurtured in the faith, but I, I won't ever forget, I was somewhere around 5th or 6th grade, and I sang in the junior choir, and, and we sang every Sunday. Our, our little junior choir would sing a song every Sunday, and, and we... Um, We wore these little white robes. Don't don't y'all know I was cute in a little white robe? uh, But but we I sung and but there was uh, there was a robe room that we'd have to go to to put on our robes and um, the choir room, and we couldn't get through to there until the young adult Sunday school class would finish up. And I remember we were standing outside the doors of the. Sunday school class waiting for them to finish up. And there was a teacher by the name of John Ed Roberts. And John Ed was teaching and he was finishing up uh his lesson. He was a elderly man, a senior adult that was teaching these young adults, a great mentor in so many ways to them young couples and young folks. But anyway, I remember I just caught the end of that lesson, and he said in that lesson, listen we don't go to heaven or hell because of the works or the things that we do. He said what decides whether or not we go to heaven or hell is the fact as if we accept the forgiveness that Jesus has already made and already offered for us. It's that simple that we just accept His forgiveness and believe in Him. And I remember hearing that and then I I went home that night and I don't remember if I was on my bed, in my bed, beside my bed but I just remember I was in my bedroom and I would always say my little prayers at night but that night I just I said something like Lord I believe in you and I accept your forgiveness of all my sins I want to live for you come and live in me it was something of that sort and I remember I had the assurance to know that I was his child and that he loved me so much and I thank the Lord for Mr. John Ed Roberts sharing the faith with that Sunday school class and he never knew some of his relatives know today because I've told this story before but he never knew that there was a little sixth grade boy that needed to hear the gospel that day. And somebody may need to hear it from you. And we, say it within, we, we, we need to say it with love. We don't say it beating people over the head with a Bible. We don't say it in, in, a, in a spirit of condemnation. We say it in a spirit of love and compassion so that others will know just how much He loves us. Let us pray. Lord, today in this place, we pray that we will see that there's a reality called hell and that it is your love and that it is your goodness that has made a way for us to avoid that reality. Lord, we know that you're wanting to do things in our lives to help us step out of whatever living hell we're in right now, God. And Lord, maybe there's some folks that's in the midst of situations like that. And Lord, I pray right now for your touch to be upon those situations so that they can find the freedom and the love that they need during this time. But maybe there's others of us, Lord, and right now and during this prayer time, I'm just going to invite this congregation to repeat after me. If you would just repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I know that I messed up. But I know that you love me and died on a cross for me. So that I could avoid the eternity of hell. I believe in you. I trust in you. Come live in me. I accept your forgiveness of my sins. Now help me live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen.